0: Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. Once again, I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, joined by Travis Reier, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the radio host of Southern Fried Sports in Tuscaloosa at 102.9 FM weekdays, 11 to noon. And Travis, the Iron Bowl is upon us. We'll be previewing that. We'll take a look around. Uh, The SEC Rivalry Week, a lot of hot rivalries going on, a lot to get into in this edition, this Iron Bowl preview edition of the Talking Tide podcast, which, of course, can be uh, heard at our web host, podbean.com, also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And Travis, Alabama comes into this Iron Bowl, a big favorite, a big home favorite, a 24-point spread that has held firm throughout the week against an Auburn team that's been a relative disappointment uh, for Tigers fans, given what AU had talent-wise coming into the season. Expectations definitely higher.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. A surprise to me as well. I thought this Auburn team going into the final weekend of the regular season would in all likelihood be playing for a division title once again, like we saw a year ago in terms of how things played out with these two teams. Didn't happen. Uh, Didn't seem as if, at least to this point anyway, the Auburn offense and that one aspect of it that in the really good years under Gus Malzahn uh, has been able to sort of hang its hat on that ground game ever really materialized. I mean, there were some flashes of brilliance from Jatarvius Whitlow, the redshirt freshman running back, uh, but never that level of consistency that you associate again with. The really good Gus Malzahn offenses, and you combine that with a quarterback who is more along the lines of a pocket passer and not so much a playmaker with his legs, although Jared Stidham came up with some big plays on the ground against Alabama in this game a year ago, uh, and and you have a a situation in which there's no doubt on that side of the ball offensively, Auburn has very much underachieved.
0: And it comes down on Malzahn, not just at Auburn, but at any program, especially a a program where fan expectations are super high. If your head coach's background is the area of the team that's struggling, it's going to fall all on his head. Whereas if it's the reverse and it's the off coordinator, in other words, the coordinator who handles the side of the ball that the head coach didn't grow up on, uh, well, then fingers can get pointed and staff changes can get made, and and uh, the head coach, uh, you know, moves on and and survives. But when it's when it's a Gus Malzahn offense that's not getting the job done, it's on him and him alone, as far as these fans are concerned.
1: Although a couple of years ago, Auburn was in this very same. Uh, position, and, and there was a change made at offensive coordinator. Now, do I think anybody believes that, uh, you know, from that standpoint, it, it's it's uh, Chip Lindsey's ball game on Saturday <laughs> to make play calls and even come up with a plan? No, I don't think anybody really believes that. But, you know, again, two years ago, we were in this very same spot. Change was made improvement a year ago, a Western Division championship. Everything's great. Uh, A year later, you know, we're right back where we were in 2016 with Auburn coming in here. Although, I still think in comparison to that Auburn offense that came to Tuscaloosa two seasons ago, especially at quarterback, um, a a, a better situation uh, this year than than a couple of seasons ago. But, you know, when you just look at the data and the results, you know, it's hard to, to make a strong argument. Uh, that this group is clearly better than the one that came through here a couple seasons ago.
0: 2.30 p.m. kickoff. It'll be on CBS. Auburn comes in 7-4 and four on the season, 3-4 and four in SEC play, looking to even that up against the number one team in the nation. The defensive side of the ball for Alabama, Travis, as we've talked about, Alabama really seems to be hitting a stride, notwithstanding allowing 17 points to the Citadel last week. A lot of good play up front of late in the month of November, back-to-back Southeastern Conference shutouts. And uh, health-wise, hey, Deontay Thompson with, I guess, a little knee bruise last week. That appears to be no issue whatsoever. Health-wise, his defense comes into this game in much better shape than they did going into last year's Iron Bowl.
1: No doubt about it, especially at the inside and outside linebacker positions. Your two wire-to-wire starters have remained intact inside uh, with Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses, who a little bit of a surprise this week, right? He is the Buckus Award finalist uh, in 2018 instead of Mac Wilson. I think that can actually work in the advantage of Alabama. Well, you think Mac's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder moving forward? Because that was a self-stated goal for yeah. Mac Wilson on social media back in the preseason, going to win the Buckus back in the offseason. Uh, it hasn't happened, so uh, it should be a even more motivated Mac Wilson. He's also playing for some NFL dollars right about now as well. And then also on the outside, I mean, Christian Miller, uh, Anthony Jennings. You know, I'm not sure Jennings has been able to stay 100 percent healthy throughout the season, but he stayed on the field. Christian Miller has very much been able to do that as well. It's shown up in his production. So even without Terrell Lewis and Christopher Allen, which, as we know, Alabama lost both those guys back in the preseason, uh, the the production uh, at inside and outside linebacker has remained pretty consistent throughout the season. Yeah.
0: And you could argue at least statistically, Dylan Moses had the better year with Mac Wilson. Yes. Nine tackles for yep. loss versus three and a half and he's led the team in tackles with sixty one, so uh uh quietly an outstanding season for him, certainly. And Mac Wilson's played pretty well as well. Uh but really the star has been Quentin Williams. And, of course, he's not uh, a qualifier for the Buckets. That's a linebacker's award. Quentin Williams, though, uh, as long as we're on the topic, a finalist along with Jonah Williams for the Outland Trophy, Travis, which to me is a big one. It's always been a big one to me. It's the the, the Heisman for linemen. And Alabama's got one on each side of the ball on a list of three finalists.
1: They do. And – for Quentin, as you said, and defensive guys, I guess the Nagurski uh, is up there as well. In terms of realistic awards, as we know, you know, Quentin Williams is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, it, his position, uh, his area that, that he, he calls home pretty much precludes that, uh, precludes him from, from that mix. Uh, but every other potential award that Quentin Williams could be in the mix for, it seems like he is, Uh, and deservedly so, and you said it too, with Jonah Williams. Jonah's been everything you expected him to be this year, Uh, game in, game out, grades out as Alabama's top lineman. Seems like every game he's got three or four knockdown blocks. So uh, you talk about important pieces to this Alabama puzzle in 2018 when we talked in the preseason about most important players, guys who needed to stay on the field. Jonah Williams was certainly at the top of that list, Quentin Williams quickly joined it um, and he stayed right there for the the duration of the season.
0: I kind of sense some trick plays coming out of Gus Mall's no, bag. Oh, Travis. I mean, not come Gus. on. If you're in his position, you come in seven and four, you're facing the best team in America, you're on the road. Not a lot has worked for you this year. You're, you're going to pull out every stop, and, and you know maybe it comes in the form of a reverse. Maybe they've got a couple of special teams tricks in their bag this week, but uh, Gus will pull out every stop to, to keep this one tight for as long as he can.
1: Yeah, what's the over-under on the number of different players for Auburn that might attempt a pass <laughs> yeah. in the game on Saturday? I'll put it at two and a half, yeah. good, Brett? Yeah. Two and a half, the over-under, I like that hook. You know, the man likes that hook out there in the desert. It's taken uh, a lot of victims throughout the years, that, that rusty hook. So if I set it at two and a half for the number of Auburn players uh, who will attempt a pass in the game, on uh saturday you going over or you going under that i'll
0: go under but i wouldn't feel good about it <laughs> and that's yeah. what that's what that hook
1: does you know you yeah. don't you don't feel good you go over and, uh, you don't
0: feel good you go under you don't feel good now, that, that hook, hook makes for. you
1: feel like you need a tetanus shot a lot of times <laughs> what it makes you feel like that's what it's
0: for uh, yeah. but yeah uh, no, uh, no doubt uh, i think you'll see so if, at least
1: two though you think at least two Auburn players will attempt to pass yeah, the how,
0: game, so. how could you not? I, I, absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, maybe a bat gets uh, gets a turn. Who knows? They'll try to catch Alabama off guard, catch that defense out of position uh, best they can. Uh, explosiveness-wise, though, definitely not, uh, as explosive an offense as it was a year ago, Darius Slayton an example there. I think he averaged twenty plus yards a catch last year for AU. Travis this year not quite so much uh, production from him. Uh, and you know Stidham's, Stidham's had a, uh, his share of games with with a lot of people uh, in his face too. So uh, you know we could see we could see some serious pressure from this Alabama front
1: yeah and we we're going to talk about trick plays and skill guys and you know that's typically what people associate with with auburn football um but again in, in reality it's had as much to do with the tigers uh ability to get the job done up front and the interior of that auburn offensive line and it's it's not as if it's totally inexperienced i mean offensive guards markwell harrell Uh, Mike Horton, these are guys who have started a lot of games for Auburn. But there's been a big donut right in the middle of that Auburn offensive line all year. Uh, With Casey Dunn moving on after last season, you've seen Caleb Kim, Nick Brahms. They've kind of alternated in there at the center position. And with that, the, the Tigers just have never been able to offer up that semblance of power on the inside to get the job done Braden Smith uh, a big part of what Auburn was able to do last year and then once on Johnson got healthy from the hamstring injury he had early in the 2017 season uh, he was just tremendous I mean the, the most impactful offensive player in the Southeastern Conference a year ago he's now with the Detroit Lions so those key pieces to that Auburn interior run game uh, there's been some turnover there in terms of the very best players Auburn had in those spots, uh, and the transition to sort of the next group uh, has been anything but seamless.
0: The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com with a look at the uh, Alabama offense and the Auburn defense now for a few minutes, Travis. And, and when you talk about this Auburn defense, you there's nowhere else to start but Deshaun Davis. This guy has been a heart and soul performer. 102 tackles on the year leads the way for Auburn, 12 and a half tackles for loss. He's pay, he's played through some pain this year too, played through some injuries. Uh he's really been a, a kind of a warrior in the middle of that Auburn defense and it's a, it's a talented group and and
1: he's kind of the heartbeat of it, Travis. He is—he's a fun guy to watch play football. If you don't like watching Deshaun Davis play football, then 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 you might need to to you know get the the, the ticker checked out because uh, he plays with a kind of passion and uh, desire. He's not the biggest guy in the world uh, in terms of height, uh, but he is is really worked to make himself one of the better inside linebackers in the Southeastern Conference, and he's been that guy for a couple of years now. Now, he does have the benefit. He works behind a couple of hosses, similar to Alabama's inside linebackers, with Quentin Williams and Raekwon Davis uh up front to go along with Isaiah Bugs. Well, Derek Brown and Dontavious Russell are, are those kind of guys as well, up front for that Auburn defense. So with that, you know, gonna be interesting this week, Chase, because Alabama's beat up at both guard spots. You know, as we saw by the third quarter or so of that citadel game last Saturday. You had Lester Cotton, who had become your second-team left guard in the in the previous weeks to Deontay Brown. Uh, he started, played the game in place of an injured Deontay Brown, and then at right guard during the game against the Citadel, uh, Alabama loses Alex Leatherwood to an ankle injury. In comes veteran reserve Joshua Casher. You know, throughout practice this week, even as recent as Wednesday's practice, I was out there for the media viewing periods. Um, Deontay Brown to me looks like he's still got a little ways to go Um, so I'm kind of going into this with the expectation that it's going to be Lester Cotton once again at left guard now right guard I can see where Alex Leatherwood could could be the guy on Saturday Um, so that's kind of where I'll go with that but I think they're going to have Josh Kasher ready to go so when you start talking about the issues at guard right now for Alabama, uh, it's not really the week you want to have that with Brown, Russell, and the rest of that Auburn defensive front up up
0: next. Yeah, the offensive side of the ball definitely where the majority of Alabama's uh, minor injuries are, dings and whatnot that could cost some guys, uh, if not playing time, then maybe at least some effectiveness. Uh, Damian Harris on that list as well. Travis, of course, with uh, what was described as a, a mild concussion against the Citadel, I guess his status uh, for the Iron Bowl, for the moment anyway, a little bit up in the air. It's a position where Alabama's obviously got a a lot of impressive depth, but he's the leader. He's the guy you can count on in every situation. He's the veteran in that group. You want him on the field if you're Nick
1: Saban, if it can be done. No doubt about it. And earlier on Wednesday, Nick uh, declared that um, Damian had, pass through uh concussion protocol successfully uh and then out there wednesday afternoon we did see uh damian harris working with the running backs Looked like he was working in some of the team uh individual drills uh, as far as the run game is concerned did have on a black non-contact jersey but all signs trending toward damian harris being available uh for saturday's game and and for reasons you outlined I, i i think it's important, even if it's just on a situational basis that you feel comfortable going with Damian Harris uh on Saturday, it's important to have him because Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, even Brian Robbins, in terms of you know, on the ball, playing with the ball in their hands, they're they're more than capable of giving you production in those areas. But when it's third and eight and everybody in the stadium knows you're gonna throw the football, I want Damian Harris in the game from a pass protection standpoint. If if there's a blitz to be picked up or some uh, s- some some things to solid up in pass pro, that's the guy you want in the game to help protect Tua Tagovailoa. You like the
0: running back who will block into the chest in pass pro. Too many guys, especially smaller backs in college football, just want to cut block. Uh, in pass pro and sometimes that's effective sometimes it's not it's 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 an easier block to recover from uh, you know you can pop right back up sometimes from a cut block uh, and pass rush and and still get to the quarterback that's not what Damian Harris does uh, he'll he'll square a guy up and anchor uh, in pass pro and and, and you know when it, when a linebacker's coming like the linebackers Auburn has that's what you want.
1: Absolutely, and Damian's been doing it for a couple of years now. And I think Josh Jacobs has that willingness to to take care of business in that aspect of the game, uh, as you mentioned. But, look, I've seen Damian Harris snuff out a guy like Derwin James of Florida State. And, and as we talked about before that season opener a year ago, a guy like Derwin James could impact the game as a blitzer as much as he could in coverage if not more at the college level that was derwin james's game well in that season opener for the 2017 season damian harris took care of derwin james in, in pretty ordinary fashion um, but that's what he can give you against a deshaun davis uh, or a, a, a corner cat or a, a star blitz um, those type of things that that auburn might present on saturday
0: Tua to a, tongue of a low, Travis, we'll touch on him before we move forward. Uh, could be, a, uh, I want to, you know, you want to say in, in the Iron Bowl, it should be a Heisman clinching performance. But if you look at the Heisman odds uh, that that are out there posted on such boards, uh, it, it's as if uh, the Heisman's already been clinched for the Crimson Tide quarterback. Uh, I guess Kyler Murray is probably the next. Uh, most likely guy to take that honor but at least if you believe the Heisman chatter as we sit here right before Thanksgiving uh, it's a it's a pretty big gap between those
1: two guys that seems to be the perception there's a narrative of late because Kyler Murray's uh, numbers are very much on par with Baker Mayfield a year ago that perhaps that gap is narrowing between two uh Uh, In Kyler Murray. It's it's essentially a two-man race. Here's the thing. The stages that we want to see these guys on in relation to the Heisman Trophy, we're going to get them this week and very possibly the next. You're going to have Friday night, you're going to have Kyler Murray in Oklahoma in Morgantown taking on West Virginia and Will Greer. Speaking of a guy who might have a chance to make a late push there on Friday night. Uh, and then Saturday you're going to have Tua on national television in the Iron Bowl against Auburn in his uh, series debut. And then a week from Saturday you're going to have you know, Alabama-Georgia. That, that's a national quarterfinal. And in my opinion, it'll be of the caliber of a national semifinal. I, I don't care. You know, I know Notre Dame-Michigan have had really nice years. I'd take Georgia today over either one of those teams on a, on a neutral site field. So that's the type of matchup we're going to have in the SEC championship game for Tua. Uh, And then, you know, Kyler potentially, Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, uh, with an appearance in the Big 12 championship game. So, you know, it's almost a playoff for the Heisman coming up the next two weeks.
0: Going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, obviously, to follow the Iron Bowl. and. And yeah, you're right. If you look at at, at who else is involved playoff wise, you trust Georgia's offense. At least I do more so than Michigan or Notre Dame. Uh, and uh, that'll be uh, that'll be fun to see how all that plays out. Because you know, I guess uh, uh, you know, Notre Dame's got one more with with USC. Is it? Uh, yeah. Couple, Michigan, Ohio State. I picked Ohio State. I think they're I think they're going to turn over the the apple card on uh, on Jim Harbaugh. Uh, wow. but uh we'll uh we'll see how that one turns out that one ought to be fun it's going to be a, a heck of a, a heck of a saturday for sure with the remote control there'll be smoke coming off that thing and <laughs> the good bread house i can promise you uh talking tide podcast going to thank a couple of sponsors now before we move on in the program starting with north river dental associates Uh, Dr. Jack Smalley and his staff do an outstanding job. Uh, Trust your teeth and your family's teeth to Dr. Jack. I certainly do. Travis does as well. A clean, comfortable environment, a state-of-the-art office. They got this terrarium, this outdoor terrarium. You get to uh, watch these uh, critters and chipmunks and things in the springtime run around uh, while you're waiting on your teeth to be cleaned. Uh, You can't beat the weight. They get you in and out of there uh, in no time on a routine cleaning. And uh, Dr. Jack's staff uh, definitely gets it done at North River Dental Associates, 752-3506, the phone number. Or go to NorthRiverDentist.com on the web for an appointment. Also want to thank Urban Cookhouse, buy local, eat urban over on 1490 North Bank Parkway off Rice Mine Road. Farm to fire to table eating over there from Vince Hunter and his staff is all outstanding with those big green smokers hard at work uh, for lunch and dinner. Special going on over there right now, a holiday meal, uh, be it Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, any kind of party you're planning between now and the end of the calendar year. Uh, for $95, you can feed 8 to 12 people with 3 pounds of that thick, sliced smoked turkey from Urban Cookhouse. A couple of sides, uh, rolls, and plenty more. Phone number over there, 561 It's Urban Cookhouse.
1: I'm going to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. If you're in the market for an automobile, either new or new, are certified pre-owned well there's only one place for you in Tuscaloosa that's 3200 Skyland Boulevard East that's the home of Mercedes Benz of Tuscaloosa they got the winter event going on out there at Mercedes Benz of Tuscaloosa and for all the details on that you can go to Mercedes of get every bit of information you need in relation to the winter event and also while you're there you can check out every vehicle as it sits on the lot today at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa, right now at mercedesoftuscaloosa.com. Pay that website a visit first, and then for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale, it's 3200 Skyland Boulevard East, Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Also want to tell you about our great friends at Cartier & Lloyd, Attorneys at Law, right there in downtown Tuscaloosa you're going to find Michael Carty and John Lloyd. And between them, you're talking about two local attorneys with a combined 60 plus years of legal experience between them. They've handled all, th- all kinds of cases, from minor automobile accident situations to catastrophic injuries. Give them a call right now, 205-759-1554. They also have an outstanding website, which you can find at www.carteloydlaw.com. That's www.carteloydlaw.com. Cartel and Lloyd, attorneys at law.
0: Talk and Tide podcast at podbean.com. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn moves on now. Travis and I looking around the Southeastern Conference for Rivalry Week. We're going to start with the egg bowl, and now, of course, the egg bowl uh, will have already been played for uh, those Talking Tide listeners that don't catch this episode until uh, Friday or Saturday. But those that catch it early, uh, and that tends to be most of them, uh, it'll be ahead of this game. Of course, a 6:30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN Thanksgiving night. Uh, Travis, uh, it, it'll be a it'll be a battle between that turkey tryptophan, I think they call it, that puts people to sleep. And the excitement of the Egg Bowl. Uh, usually in the good bread house though, the, the egg bowl wins out and uh, everybody's awake for that one from start to finish.
1: Yeah, you know, and a chance for um, a chance for Joe Moorhead to do something that uh, that Dan Mullen couldn't in his final egg bowl, and that's get a win. Bring the egg back to Starkville. It's important to the people of both Mississippi State and Ole Miss, um, gosh, hard not to like Mississippi State in the football game for the simple fact that it has a heartbeat of a run game, and more so than that, it's it's actually a legit run game for Mississippi State. And as we know, Ole Miss right now has a hard time stopping anybody that can run it even a little bit. So. I like Mississippi State in the game. I also like the Mississippi State uh, defense. Uh, not hard to like that group, right, after what we saw here in Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago. What do you think, Good Bread Rebels are Bulldogs on the road I like Thursday Miss- night?
0: Yeah, I like Mississippi State, too. The difference between Mississippi State de- – now, Ole Miss's offense is is significantly better than Mississippi State's. I get that. But the gap between the defenses is Oosh. bigger. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, one of the best 10 defenses in America. Uh, they've, they've played like it uh, week to week, pretty consistently. Ole Miss, on the other hand, uh, has has really struggled on that side of the ball, had to outscore a lot of people uh, for their win. So, yeah, we both like Mississippi State there. Uh, elsewhere around the SEC, uh, Arkansas at Missouri, kind of a ho-hummer on Friday. But then, Travis, on Saturday, Uh, The Florida-Florida State game coming up, Uh, Georgia Tech at Georgia, Tennessee at Vanderbilt, South Carolina at Clemson, all the traditional ones, LSU at Texas A&M. The Aggies, Travis, still have yet to beat LSU since the membership card hit the mailbox.
1: Uh, I like A&M at home
0: Saturday night. To
1: snap the street. Yeah, I don't think LSU is going to be able to run it all that good against that A and M front seven. Uh, and uh, you know, LSU has a couple of injuries going into this one. I think Kristen Fulton, uh Christian Fulton the corner, is out. Uh Jefferson the wide receiver, the top wide receiver for Joe Burrow, dealing with some injury issues right now. Questionable for Saturday night. I just don't feel good for Bebe going into this one at O. I don't I don't like the feel. Of this one, good bread. What do you think? I, I like A and M, and that look that line. You know, A and M's I think a two and a half point favorite now. It's gone up throughout the week. So the uh, Joe Public jumping on the Aggies. What do you think? I'm gonna go
0: with LSU and the Mojo. Until Texas A and M beats the uh, the Tigers in SEC play, I'm not gonna believe it can happen. Uh, they there have been some years where A and M should have won this game and didn't. Uh, and uh, I don't see him getting over here. LSU on the road, not fun to play in College Station for sure. Place gets really loud. Uh, LSU comes in ranked 7th, Texas A&M 22nd. Uh, I'm not sure what the number is either, but uh, Travis, we'll, uh, we'll part ways there. You like the Aggies. I like the Tigers. Uh, bouncing elsewhere. Georgia Tech at Georgia. Oh, uh, we Paul just Johnson. got through seeing that triple option uh, with the Citadel. Georgia Tech takes it uh, to Athens in this one where Paul Johnson, yeah, uh, will. And, and Georgia Tech's like, I think they're third in the ACC in scoring. Uh, uh-huh. they, they could, you know, we've seen it before. Uh, Georgia's not going to like dealing with these cut blocks from Tech any more than Alabama did against the Citadel.
1: Yeah, you know, last year Georgia just dominated Tech, but you had Roquan Smith running sideline to sideline against that triple option a year ago. You don't have uh, Ro this year so good. So I think it, it'll at least be interesting for a little while. Georgia's too good, I think, playing at home also. I like the Dogs. Uh, ultimately by a couple touchdowns plus in all likelihood, but I- I'll watch it. I mean, as much as I can, anyway, it's an early game on Saturday before Alabama and Auburn. So, you know, if you're Alabama, though, you appreciate the fact, especially after what you just dealt with against the Citadel, that Georgia had to spend every moment on the practice field this week getting ready for that triple option, which, as we know, doesn't translate well at all to what Alabama does uh, a week from Saturday. So that's a good thing for Alabama uh, coming out of that uh, that matchup there. And good old-fashioned, uh, good clean old-fashioned hate, I guess they refer to that that rivalry as good breath.
0: They're going to be raising a toast at Georgia when Paul
1: Johnson moves on from Georgia <laughs> Tech and gets out of there. They, they... These Tech people, though, these Tech people, oh, we got to get rid of Paul. What are you going to do? You yeah. know? I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, the, I like Georgia to win the game certainly, and they're going to handle Tech more years than not. But you know, Kirby Smart hates playing this offense at the end of the season like this. He's got to, so I'm sure Rick did too. Uh, but uh, Florida at Florida State, a matchup, Travis. That uh, when it, when you and I were much younger, many moons ago, this game would never have kicked off at 11 a.m. Uh, but uh, but here we are, uh, the Gators ranked 11th on the road in Tallahassee against an unranked Seminoles team uh, that has not gotten off to a much of a start with uh, under Willie Taggart.
1: You know, I saw a couple of one-versus-two matchups in the in the pre-college football playoff era, and one of them was in Tallahassee. I was in attendance for the 96 Florida, Florida State game, and I believe that was an early kickoff. I don't know why, similar to like Michigan State, Michigan-Ohio State, which kicks off early, but this one for different reasons this year. Um, but, wow, if you're Dan Mullen and you really want to make a statement uh, against your in-state rival, th- this would be the time to do it, right? With so what the game we've seen that from Peter Boulware and the boys got all over Danny yeah, real good. Yeah, they got after Werfel real good. And then uh, Stephen Orr Spurrier and that rematch in the Sugar Bowl came with that shotgun. Uh, the boys couldn't get to Danny mm-hmm. so good. And uh, the Gators avenged that loss, won uh, the national championship in that ninety-seven, I guess, Sugar Bowl because it was New Year's night. Yeah, I want to.
0: I want to say that was also the game where the phrase "hit to the echo of the whistle" was born. <laughs> Mickey And Mickey, Mickey Andrews, Andrews, Andrews. Oh. they hit to the echo.
1: He said, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mickey, uh, yeah, they, Mickey was kind of the Buddy Ryan, wasn't he, of college football yeah. in his day? You know, kind of, kind of prickly he could be." Uh, the former Alabama player and assistant coach, Mickey Andrews, uh, there at Florida State. Hey, um, you got any other games or are you going to break down Phil and Tiger on Friday? What do you got in the money match? That money match between Phil and Tiger. Friday afternoon out there in Vegas. Good bread. Who do you like?
0: You you got uh, you've got about 99.3% of the
1: golf knowledge on this podcast, okay? Oh, I'll pay the 1995. I'll be tuned in. I mean, what am I going to watch Friday afternoon? Missouri and Arkansas. Come on. I'm yeah. going to be tuned in to Tiger and Phil, and I'm going to be watching, I mean, I like to watch Tiger like everybody else, but this is going to be full on Phil Mickelson. Phil is either going to shoot 61 in that match on Friday, or he's going to shoot 81, you know, because yeah. he's going to be going for everything. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Phil in the upset. There we there go. go. There yeah. we go.
0: Well, yeah. that that one will be a, a, uh, more interesting than uh, the remaining games, probably. Uh, you won't be
1: D V Ring M- Missouri and Arkansas Friday I afternoon. Shay? So. No, yeah.
0: I, I won't yeah. need to. I won't need to look at look at that one later. Don't expect South Carolina-Clemson to be very close either.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a road game, I believe, for the Gamecocks. It is. And, uh, you know, but I will say this. Look, uh, people have kept trying to tell me that Jake Bentley's elite. You know, I've been hearing for a couple of years, oh, he's elite. Well, I'm not saying uh, South Carolina needs to win this game against Clemson to, to prove that to me, but at least be competitive. You know, if you're if you're South Carolina and you're going into this game with a, a veteran quarterback, um, at least put some points on the board. You know, don't go in there and get beat 38 to the six or something. You know, go in there and put 17, 20 points on the board. Maybe you lose 42-20. You know, I I can understand that, but I just want to see something from Jake Bentley against a, a a really really good opponent to to get me more on board with. You know this sort of notion that he's you know top three or four quarterback in the in the southeastern conference. Good Brett,
0: talented kid for sure. I, I think when I watch the South Carolina, no, I wouldn't call him elite. I, uh, I think he's he he throws kind
1: of he's kind of some- the Joe Flacco of the SEC. Is uh Jake Bentley?
0: That's that's probably that's probably pretty apt. I I, I think with with Bentley, when I watch that South Carolina offense, sometimes it looks like he just doesn't have enough help around yeah, him running game wise weapons that. wise. But then yeah. other but then other times you say to yourself, well, if he's if he's elite or if he's if he's as good as top four as, in the league, if he's that good, it, you gotta you gotta be good enough to lift the people up around yeah. you, right? Yeah. Uh, so. Was it a
1: rising tide raises all boats or something like that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's good enough to win games. I just don't know if he's good enough I to, think he's to just win pretty, without a lot of
1: help. He's pretty pretty average. I, I don't think you know, I think he's middle of the pack in the Southeastern Conference. I think he's in uh sort of that Guarantano neighborhood for me. Oof. As a matter of fact. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't I don't think but that you know, I say that I don't think Guarantano's as far down the the list of sec quarterbacks as some people do you know if you want to give me jared guarantano over Felipe franks right now I'm, i'll i take that yeah you know, I'll yeah i'll take him today well
0: and and if 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 it can be said that bentley doesn't have a lot of help it's yeah. not like Guarantano has a lot of help yeah. either
1: yeah mm-hmm. i mean joe burrow i mean some of these guys the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of solid quarterbacks, but really at the end of the day, just guys. Man. A lot of these quarterbacks, you know, just Man. guys.
0: These two guys will be back uh, Sunday nighter for the uh, Iron Bowl recap. That's going to wrap this edition, however, of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to uh, join us for that uh, Sunday night. We'll be coming at you with the uh, uh, the next edition of Talking Tide, looking back at the Iron Bowl. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving, for sure. Give thanks to family, friends, and all your blessings. Uh, Travis and I certainly uh, wish everyone the best for this holiday and uh, look forward to talking to you again after the Alabama-Auburn game. For Travis Ryer, of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover. We'll talk to you next time here on Talking Tide.